Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Okay, so I'm sitting here, and I am talking to Tyler Kaff, and he is the owner of P&K Hunting Gear. So, Tyler, you want to start, introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. Thanks for uh, having me on, first and foremost. But uh, most people know, already kind of know probably who I am. But if they're not, you know, some of your listeners, they probably don't know who I am. But, um, yes, I am the infamous <laughs> <laughs> shit-talking. Oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to cuss. I'm sorry. Um, Crap-talking <laughs> uh, owner of TK Hunting Gear. Um, yeah, so... Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you want to give me a background? I mean, how long you been hunting? Uh, I've been hunting since I was, well, shit. I got my hunter safety card when I was 12 years old. So um, I started off obviously being in South Dakota, doing a lot of pheasant hunting. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of always been kind of in the outdoors throughout my life, hunting, fishing, all that good stuff. And, um, you know, until I got obviously into the Marine Corps. So, And, uh Obviously, like you said, Marine Corps, thank you for your service. Appreciate all you guys do and sacrifice for all of us. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about, I mean, a little bit more about your hunting life. I mean, you ended up getting into deer hunting, western hunting. What what, what drove you to kind of get into the whole hunting deer? So, I mean, honestly, what really drove me, um, of course, you know, I've always had hunting gear, but of course, being on um, the military side of things is, you know, that's kind of how I really developed kind of my knowledge on gear and stuff like that. You know, when I was a younger kid you know, I got hunting, but I wasn't like doing anything hard where like, you know, I was going through like different types of equipment and stuff like that. You know, my knowledge was pretty, pretty minimal when it came to actually that type of stuff. Um, and you know, growing up I did, I mean, mostly bird hunting, waterfowl and pheasant. You know, I didn't start doing deer hunting actually until I got in the Marine Corps and did it with my buddy um, up there in California, up in the Sierra Nevadas. And um, kind of from there, I guess my knowledge of why I kind of got into hunting gear is kind of interesting because, um, you know, the more I got into to big game hunting and, you know, I've ran some pretty, you know, big name pieces of gear as far as bino harnesses and stuff like that. And um, I just kind of noticed on all the tags, everything was made in Vietnam or, you know, things were not really built compared to, um, in the military, a lot of the stuff, especially the infantry that we were using, um, a lot of that very compliant, you know, made in the USA type stuff. So I just got to thinking one day, I was like, you know, I think I can make gear that's better. You know, it's going to be a little bit more expensive, but kind of 
um, kind of bring that tactical type side. And, you know, I didn't really even do a lot of research in the industry. I didn't, um, you know, there's numerous gear brands out there, you know, like, you know, Kafaru and stuff like that, that uses a lot of that type of gear. But for me, when I kind of got into, you know, everything, um, I was actually initially going to make tactical gear. That's initially what I was going to do because I was overseas private military contracting in Afghanistan. So I bought just a shit ton of gear um, or a shit ton of materials over in Afghanistan, got them sent to my house. And that kind of was my plan was to build tactical gear. I had really no interest, you know, in the hunting side of things because um, that's what where my kind of knowledge lied was in tactical type stuff as far as the Marine Corps and stuff like that. Um, that's kind of what I was huge into. And, uh, when I got back home, um, it really never, you know, came of anything. It never really worked out. So I just kind of tossed, you know, the idea to the side, um, until 2018, you know, I was still a police officer, you know, from that time I was a cop for five years here in rapid city. And, uh, from that time, that's kind of where I just randomly, um, one day was like, you know, I've got that extra material. I was like, you know, I, I think I could, you know, start making some hunting gear. Cause you know, why not? And I, it just, I, th- I thought of it as kind of like a side gig, you know what I mean? I didn't really think too much about it. Um, but my first product was, was that Upland vest. And it was kind of like a mixture of like bringing tactical type gear into hunting. And although that, that, that upland vest never worked you know nobody ordered the fucking thing but oh sorry (laughs) nobody nobody ordered the damn thing but one day um and i had used a well-known brand's bino harness not gonna say names or anything like that but some guy came up to me he's like dude you should make a bino harness man like make it all with you you know united states materials and just overbuild the thing and just, you know what I mean? Make it awesome. And I, I said, shit, I, I can do it. So I, you know, I, I had my binos out and I kind of designed the whole thing and I wanted something that was, you know, multifunctional for different sizes of glass and stuff like that. So that's kind of where the design came from as far as fitting everything from 10 by 42s up to 18 by 56s. But, um, that was kind of our bread and better. I mean, that's, that's what got us started within the hunting industry was that bino pack. I mean, that's, um, kind of what started kind of getting everything going. And then of course, all the products we've developed now. So, so, I mean, where, where did you come up with like the skills? Did, did you sew as a kid? What, how did you, you know what I mean? Were you sitting making dresses with mom or what, what did you do? Okay, you're like, yep, I know how to sew that. I'm going to really, uh, you know, from? I, I randomly bought a sewing machine and I was fucking around on the sewing machine. And I tell you what, my first prototype was like a little chest rig thing and it looked like shit. <laughs> like it looked like complete garbage, but that's when I had to kind of get some help. You know, I went to a local sewer here cause I just didn't have, you know, I had like these products envisioned and I'm like, I could try sewing them, but I'm like, it's going to, you know, I, I would take her like these little crappy prototypes. I'm like, so I need something like this, but I need it like 30 times better. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it started off with, you know, me and a local sewer just in my local town here. Um, she just had a little local sew shop and we worked with each other hand in hand. You know, I cut all the gear. I designed out all the pictures and everything. And I'm like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. And, um, God, we must have sewn up, I don't know how many prototypes before I actually had something semi kind of what I wanted, but that's really kind of how it started was, um, just a pen and a paper and cutting the gear out and kind of just, um, with the help of that local sewer, just kind of having that assistance with, with kind of, and that's how I've, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that we were, you know, back in the day, we were only building three, four harnesses at a time. And now we're manufacturing up to 300 at a time. Um, you know, 300 now this month, and then we're getting another 300, 400 made in August. So, I mean, we, uh, you know, we're going to be well up there to 1500, 2000 binos this year being, being sewn up and sold. But, um, that's kind of how it started. And of course now, you know, a lot of our sewing, you know, a majority of it is done in Colorado because we have a larger manufacturer because we can't keep up. 
Um, a lot of our gear was made right here in Rapid City, South Dakota, um, but the demand has been too high. And uh, we've had to kind of up our game as far as manufacturing goes, because now we're buying, I mean, when we first started, we were buying two, three yards of Kadura at a time. Now we're buying 50, 60 yards at a time. So it's kind of escalated to that um, kind of in such a short time, but that's kind of how generally it got started. So, so let's go back to that sewing machine. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. Did you have it shipped you over in Afghanistan and you're sitting in a bunker? Just <laughs> no, I wish. I mean, shit, that would have costed me probably freaking 10 grand to ship it over there. So what I did, so what I did is I, bought like a $5,000 sewing machine online and I got it sent to my house, my house in the United States. And it sat there like shit. I, I, I mean, I had my mom go, you know, uh, go over to the house and she's like, you've got like this $5,000 sewing machine in a big ass box at UPS. Like how to keep, you know, bring out a fucking crane to like <laughs> deliver it. And, shit. and I'm like, you know, and I had never really even worked on a sewing machine. I was I've always been those guys, you know, I've always been one of those guys. It's like, I'll just figure it out, you know, figure it out as I go. You know, it's just one of those things to, so yeah, I got it, uh, got it sent there. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, back when I was drinking too, that's when I was, and that's probably <laughs> I was, why that's I was just going to ask you that because <laughs> you and I do share a similar uh, background when it comes to that. And I used yeah. to do a lot of stupid stuff like that. And you just get, yeah. you get a harebrained idea and run with it. Who knows? Some of it turns oh, out just, pretty good, but yeah, until you wake up and then you're like, what in the <laughs> hell did I just do? Like, Jesus, 10 grand. I mean, I, uh, oh man, I just, well, a lot of the time I was sewing on the machine while I was about 12 beers deep. So you could, you could tell that it's, you know, it looked like a pile <laughs> of crap, you know, but I was like, generally, this is what I want, you know? And then it was never to the point to where we got, God, we got big. I mean, really, we got busy so fast that we really never had an opportunity to where we needed to sew one or two Z's here and there. I mean, um, we kind of, you know, 2018 was slow, but once like, you know, last summer hit, we just kind of exploded. So, I mean, we've, we've never really had the, you know, the mom power, we're, you know, selling one or two here and there. We, we started out like that. But now it's getting to the point to where we're running 300, 400 harnesses at a time. You know what I mean? Um, so Which, it's getting a little bit, a little I mean, bit that, more crazy. That's good, though. I mean, uh, yeah. as long as you can uh, sustain yourself throughout that rapid growth, it's uh, yeah. def- definitely going to be good. I, I think that the whole thing with that is that you've kind of uh, you found a niche or a void, I should say, in, in the industry and you're, you're filling that niche that people want. People want a, a quality product. They want something that's made here in America. And uh, I don't know if it helps or hinders the way, the way you handle business, but I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I always look forward to your post on social media because it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you that. what, it, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people... Um, you know, when I initially started this business, when I was doing those types of posts, people were in shock. Like they were in shock. I had, um, there was a lot of people on following me, you know, when I first started, when I had, you know, 300, 400 followers to where, um, people were just not on board with that. And I got a lot of flack for the posts I made and making discount codes on dudes and, you know, just, um, calling out, you know, Instagram huntresses that you know, were, uh, you know, teaching us about products when they didn't, you know, know anything really about the products themselves, you know? Um, but I mean, for me that, that was kind of, you know, I was just kind of being true to myself cause I could kind of see, you know, we all know social media is pretty fake, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, they don't show you the amount of times you miss a deer, you know, um, like, let, you know, just a couple of days ago, one of my buddies can contest, we were out, you know, turkey hunting and I, you know, I do archery and, uh, I, I could, I don't know what happened, but I couldn't correctly knock my arrow. Like I couldn't <laughs> knock it. And like, it was messing up and I was like, and this turkey was like 15 yards from me. So maybe it was a little bit of that. But I was, you know, um, just for the life of me. And then after the bird, you know, finally I got it in there and I drew and he, you know, took off. 
But afterwards, I was like, what in the hell is this thing, like, defaulty? Well, I put it in there and knocked it just fine. But, like, it's stuff like that we laugh about because, like, you don't, you know, nobody tells you about the stupid shit you do or, you know, the stupid things in hunting that you do. You know, how many times, I can't tell you how many times I've pulled a trigger on a shotgun or rifle and click, oh, shit, I didn't even load the thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I just... So I think yeah. it was a little bit of that because, you know, you look on social media and everybody portrays this, like perfect you know um everything's perfect and you know what i mean i killed this huge 180 inch buck and it was easy and you know i don't know there's just you know for me it's um i guess my hunting experiences have been a little different (laughs) (laughs) you know um i kind of always make a joke about that you know um maybe making a video of all the stupid things that we do hunting because i can't even count on in my head how many times I've done stupid stuff, but, um, it's just kind of fun, you know, on the social media aspect of it, um, just kind of goofing around and I've, you know, I'm not, um, people think I'm just like this big, um, just a hole, but you know, for me, um, a lot of the guys, you, I mean, one of the favorite things I do is the discount codes that I run on guys. Like people, people people absolutely love it. Sometimes though, you you need to put out, who they are and you don't you just know. you make a code out of them out of their first name i want to see who they are i want to look up their profile i want to see yeah. if they've ever did the whole let's follow <laughs> ten thousand people in a week and then unfollow them <laughs> so you can get you know 500 to follow you all that kind of yeah. crap that you know goes on oh yeah um well i'll tell you a story of why i don't do that anymore <laughs> so i I used to tag people in the post because I had no problem. If I was going to make a discount code out of them, I'd tag them. I didn't care about people messaging them. You know, um, a lot of those people, they came onto our page and talk crap. You know what I mean? But why I kind of stopped doing that is because um, said individuals were going on the post, reporting it, and getting their buddies to report it. Instagram flags it. And I'm the bad guy all of a sudden, you know, even <laughs> though this person came on my page and was talking crap, all of a sudden I'm the bad guy. And then it gets flagged and it gets taken down. And then Instagram warns you, you know, there's only so many warnings you get before they'll delete your profile. They'll just take it off. So I've had to kind of restructure my strategy when I do <laughs> stuff like that to where, um, you know, I kind of have to do that. And, you know, cause it, you know, some, a lot of those guys, you know, they, they'll get super pissed. They'll get super butthurt. And like I said, they'll start, you know, um, they end up blocking me anyways, but they'll, they'll try to get their buddies, their comrades on their flag and it just to get it taken down. And then, you know, who wins, who wins at that? If, if our page gets taken down, you know, those, those little jerk offs win. So we try not to, uh, so now I'm kind of a little bit, I tread more carefully, you know, when it comes to that type of stuff. You know, but, you could, you could come on a platform like this and name them if you wanted to. <laughs> no, I should. That's what I should be doing. We'll just make, a you list. know, they're, oh yeah. And it's, it's always the same guys. And it's, it's so funny because you know, the, I won't even name his name cause he's not worthy of it, but, um, his first name's Tyler, which, you know, my first name's Tyler too. And it's, he's just, uh, just, you know, um, just one of these dudes that, um, you know, I made a discount code and Aaron Snyder from Kafaru cast was like, that dude always talks shit about me. So it's like, it's the same, you know, same types of dudes that just run around Instagram that are just, you know, I, I don't know what the end game is for them, but, um, you know, they're the same guys that are, you know, they'll pick apart our gear and, and everything that we do. And, um, you know, those are the guys I tell all the time. I'm like, well, if you think it, you know, you can do better and design something better than do it, you know, throw your money into it and, you know, let's see you design something better. But, you know, a lot of those guys are all talk and, um, you know, that's just, you know, for me anymore, I used to get really pissed about it. I used to be like, oh, I mean, just, just <laughs> infuriated infuriate like i literally had to like go outside and just you know what i mean like calm myself down because i used to just you know because when it's your company it's your products you're very passionate about it you know what i mean so um you know my name is on that gear we designed that gear um we've put you know tens of thousands i mean so much money into this business that you know you're you know it you're going to defend it so when you know guys do that stuff 
but now anymore, I mean, it just goes, goes through one ear out the other. I mean, I don't, I mean, <laughs> you, you get, you can't get emotionally invested in it. What's funny is that I'll just make, you know, the meme and I'll post it up and, um, you know, guys love it. You know, the follower base <laughs> loves it. And, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. Cause it, you know, you'll get guys that'll come back and, I had one guy that goes, I'm going to talk to my lawyer and sue you for defamation. I'm like, well, you know, it's a good thing I know the laws because, you know, <laughs> I posted your message. You type that on a public forum. I can use it. It's just like Donald Trump posting something on Twitter. <laughs> it's fair game. It's fair game at that point. Like, you're an idiot. So, you know, um, hopefully, you know, some of those guys kind of learn their lesson. But um, the mistake, you know, what what people don't understand is like, I'm not going out and trying to like, you know, find these people just to make content or something. It's always people coming onto our page, kind of creating that drama for themselves. So, but, uh, yeah, I get a kick out of it. It's kind of funny. So, so how do you, uh, when you come up with like a new piece of gear or anything, do you, I mean, are you designing it yourself or are you bringing people in to help you? Uh, nope, how's I that? <clears throat> Yeah, no, I design everything myself. Um, the bow slings um, that you have kind of seen. Um, I'm doing a lot, and I'm working with a lot of more bow archery type stuff because I've kind of gotten away from rifle hunting. Um, that's kind of what I started out doing. Um, but bow hunting is kind of my passion now. But everything like the bow sling that you've seen, um, I've designed that entire thing. Um, and uh, so I don't get I, I get some help with it from some local guys and stuff like that, you know, especially when you're making different sizes and stuff like that. So I'll get some tweaks here and there, but for, for the most part, um, overall I'm designing the whole thing. Um, obviously manufacturers, you know, we, we talk and we, we have to tweak things and stuff like that. But, um, for a majority of it, um, like I said, 99% of the work is, is, you know, kind of out of the imagination of, um, you kind of have to use, Use your imagination when it comes to stuff, you know, but I, I, I definitely listen to people a lot as far as what they want, um, as far as gear goes. Cause, um, I don't just randomly design things, um, that I know aren't going to sell. You know, I, you'll probably see on my social media a lot. I'll tell people, I'll be like, what do you guys want? What do you guys want? And, you know, um, a majority of guys, they say, you know, like the Gators. So that's why we're developing Gators. They'll say, um, rifle cases, rifle slings. So that's why we're developing all those things because, um, we've made products without asking people and made them up and spent thousands of dollars on them and they don't sell. So you kind of have to listen to the consumer as far as what they want in gear. Um, we make changes to gear based off of what consumers tell us. Um, our first version of our bino harness actually had mesh pockets on the inside, but, a huge issue was guys um, it getting caught on their glass when they're you know going in and out of the pouch with it. So I mean we took those out. So I mean we're constantly always trying to you know evolve and um, you know change our gear or make different gear for what guys want. And uh, the bow sling has been another very successful product, which we're actually just finishing up sewing on it this this week. And orders should be going out here pretty soon. And but. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes. I, I kind of ask the follower base what they want to see. You know, uh, we're not reinventing the wheel, so a lot of people will go, "Well, shit, that's already out there." Well, yeah, no doubt. There's bow slings out there. But I guarantee <laughs> you, there ain't a bow sling that's built like this. Man, it does not. But it's exist. too heavy, Tyler. It's yeah. too heavy. I can't carry it. <laughs> I tell you what, and I tell guys all the time too. When it comes to that heavy shit, I'm like, you know, and me being Marine Corps infantry, of course, like. Um, I've rucked, um, more miles than I would probably even want to count with a pack that we never weighed because it didn't matter. <laughs> like you just <laughs> threw it on your back, but like, you know, we always pack the essential supplies that we know we needed to accomplish, you know, whatever we needed to accomplish. But, um, the guys, with the weight thing, it, it's so crazy to me because something that's built with more lightweight fabric is going to do a worse job of supporting weight that you put into it than something that's more rigid and heavy duty and weighs 10 ounces more. I, I just, I'm like, do you want something that's going to be uncomfortable as hell? Or do you want something that's going to weigh a little bit more, but it's going to support the weight more, you know, Kadura and all that stuff. It supports weight a lot better than a lot of that, 
you know, I see a lot of packs made out of ripstop and stuff like that. And, you know, that's just, I mean, it, it's fine and dandy if, if, you know, you're not packing a lot or anything like that. But I mean, if you put a bunch of weight, you know, in that type of stuff, it's not, it's not going to support the weight, you know, the way you want it to. And it's going to make it uncomfortable when you're putting in all those miles. So, um, you know, part of that is just educating guys. I mean, um, of course I don't have, you know, the big sheep experience up in Canada where those guys are grinding it out, you know, and freaking elevations unimaginable, you know what I mean? So I don't, you know, some of those guys, I get it, you know, um, from that perspective. And like I said, I don't have that experience of doing that. Um, but from my personal, you know, um, experiences of what I've done and, you know, even the types of hunting I do, you know, I'm not in any crazy elevation or anything like that, but, you know, even like last, you know, elk, uh, season helping my buddy with a cow elk tag. I mean, we shoot shit. We put in in two, three days, you know, up and down, you know, the hills are still, you know, they're not mountains by, by any means, but you know, we still put in 15, 20 miles and it still kicks your butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, you know, people, if they were to realize, um, you know, just the materials we, we use and how much more it supports that way. Cause we get guys all the time that say, that glass, like our vinyl horse, they stack a bunch of crap in there and they forget that it's even on. They go five miles in, they're like, holy crap. Like it, if you forget that it's on, but if you get something that's lighter, let's say, and you know, the, the straps are always loosening on you and the buckles, you know, are, are not locking. So they're not locking the straps and all this stuff. You're going to notice that, you know, you're going to notice that weight. You're going to notice that rubbing. You're going to notice that chafing and stuff like that. So that's where I try to kind of get guys to, to kind of rethink that process of, you know, and of course, you know, you, there's a big difference between durability and, 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 uh, lightness. I mean, if you build something light, it's not going to be as durable as something heavy. I mean, it's just, you can't, you know, you can't do it. So we just don't even mess around with it. We all, you know, use all Kadura military spec type stuff and made, you know, berry compliant stuff. So, um, we don't worry too much about the weight, but it's getting better. I don't get as much people bitching about it because <laughs> we call them out and they, you know, they just, well, and that's just in general, you know, you see with our discount codes and everything, people kind of learn their lesson. They're like, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, cause if you just say something, I mean, we're going to have fun with it. You know, it's, it's one of those things to where, um, you know, it's not like malicious. We don't like, you know, have it out for anybody specific, but you know, we are going to, uh, defend what we do and part of that is i think just educating people on on materials and stuff like that too so so you want to talk about the materials a little bit kind of go into uh all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so um a lot of the you know well all the materials we use are usa source they're bear compliant materials so basically um a lot of people are very familiar with Kafaru because they've been around since 1997, but we use a lot of the same materials as Kafaru does. Um, our webbing um, is made in California and it's a Kadura nylon military spec webbing. Um, and then we get our mesh from New York, all USA source materials. And so there's a difference between like made in the, and you know, I'll keep going with this, but I've got a, you know, endpoint on it. Um, you know, we use a thousand D military spec Kadura that's a lot of the Kadura that you see being used on flak jackets and stuff like that. So that's when people say, you know, our gear is bomb proof is because, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of, of, of truth to that because, you know, that we're using the same type of stuff that, um, guys, you know, deployed overseas are using to, you know, kill bad guys and, you know, all that good stuff. So we use, um, everything from our webbing, our thread is from a veteran owned company right here in the United States. It's a nylon thread military spec, everything from our thread, um, to our leather cowhide, um, that we use on all of our gear for our patches and stuff. Everything is USA sourced and USA made. So, um, we take a lot of pride in that because there's a difference between, you know, um, the, by law, you can say made in the USA and use all overseas materials. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. It's, uh, yeah foreign source components or something like yeah. that or, or source components assembled or made in the united states and that's exactly that's a bunch of crap yeah and 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 not just that 
but you can even take it a step farther because by law for made in the USA, um, if you do 60 to 70% of your manufacturing of that product in the United States, you can say, hey, it's United States made. So let's say you get a bunch of material from China and you cut it here, you sew it here, you ship it from here and all this stuff, 70% of the work on that product is in the United States. You can put made in the USA on there and have all Chinese materials. So <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> and so, and that's what, you know, it pisses me off because you can get away legally with doing that and putting made in the USA. And then, you know, a lot of people um, don't understand how, we're not just made in the USA, like all of our stuff is sourced in the USA. So we're not just, you know, we're not ordering all these different materials from overseas and, and manufacturing it here and saying, oh, yeah, made in the USA. Like um, we're truly supporting um, hundreds of jobs all over the United States um, from, you know, like I said, we get our I mean, we get our materials probably from 10 to 15 different companies all within the United States manufacturing it. Um, so when you kind of draw it out and you look at the list, I mean, when you buy from us, you don't, you know, you're literally supporting probably hundreds of thousands of jobs, you know, um, you're not just supporting us as a company because we put our money into all these different, uh, manufacturers within the United States for webbing, thread, leather, all kinds of stuff. So, no, that's a great thing. You know, anytime you can support any american worker american business it's something that you want to do and i hopefully after all this crap that's going on people start realizing that that they need to mm. bring manufacturing back here and there is a demand for it the problem is mm. you're trying to sniff out the crap and find an actual quality product versus something that's like we talked about maybe assembled here but not really made here it's not exactly here made here yeah and i mean yeah. that's I, I had a pair of boots that I was like, oh, heck yeah, man. I found a pair of boots. And next thing I know, I look at it, you start doing a little bit of research. And uh, like you said, they cut it, and they stitch it here. But that's all they did. Yep. Yep. And that's, and that's where we're trying to, um, you know, there's, especially with Corona virus going on now, there's definitely that increase that, that want for made in the USA. And I think there's, there's education, um, and that's why I try to do with my company. I think, you know, I'm trying to educate people a little bit more about how this whole process works with hunting gear, textiles and all that stuff. And so I think people are becoming a little bit more, hopefully smarter and kind of delving in a little bit because it's, 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 you know, I look at a lot of, you know, there'll be big hunting gear companies with sponsored posts. And I mean, now there's just, where's this made? Where's this made? Where's this made? <laughs> Before that was never, you know, that was never really the thing um, to where now people are demanding it. They want it, um, especially with all this virus thing. But, of course, we were doing all this stuff before, you know, the shit hit the fan anyway. So we're not, you know, um, jumping on some bandwagon or something like that. But it's going to be interesting within the hunting industry to see how these companies um, react to the consumer and to the American hunter that demands made in the USA, um, it's definitely going to be interesting because I, I think there's going to be more and more people that are um, going to be seeking out small businesses to outfit them um, for the hunting seasons. And I think you're going to see a lot of the people going away from, from the other type of stuff. I mean, of course, people are always going to still buy that type of stuff, but um, I, I think it's it's going to definitely make some bigger companies rethink of what they're doing and, and how they should approach the industry. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. I got to say though, I got my bino harness. I haven't really put it to the test yet. I'm, I'm not going to use it this hunting season yet because I need some type of zippered pocket. Something. <laughs> I switched from a wrist release to a thumb release. And now I yeah. need something to keep that because I've already lost one. And my wife, uh, okay. my wife knows about that, which she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> and thank God she doesn't listen to all my episodes. Um, oh, it wouldn't be that hard to throw a zipper <laughs> on it, you know. But I, if, need, if, I need something to keep that released because if I don't keep it in that chest pocket on that bino harness, I'm losing. Oh, well, and with me, I, I can't tell you even deer season. Um, 
hiking up two miles up a damn hill um, to get set up in my ground blind to figure out that my fucking release is still in my truck. <laughs> That's why I keep pull my bow down and freaking haul my ass all the way back down to the truck. And then by the time I get back up to my blind, I'm just smoke checked. I don't even want to hunt anymore. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm tired. I'm like, you know, because you know, older you get too. But I, uh, I hundred percent agree with you. And you know what? I'm actually in kind of designing too, because you look at zipper pockets. But I'm possibly because I don't know how that would sit on your chest. But like you said, like having a zipper pouch or something like that to put a release in to put on the side of your bino harness. I think that'd be maybe an interesting idea too. Um, but yeah, I hear you. I've got the same struggles. So okay. I haven't lost any yet, but I, I forget them in the truck consistently. Uh, did it twice turkey hunting already this spring, and I did it like three or four times deer hunting last last fall. So no, I I, I definitely then I started keeping a spare in in my pack, but but I always initially keep that other one right on my chest pocket, especially since I lost one, and I had yeah. to go back and buy two more now. So. Yeah, well, and that you know, it's, yeah, that makes a break a hunt there, you know. So yeah, luckily I, I didn't uh, see much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's probably a good thing. I mean, you could just try it like all the other dudes and just, you know, try to pull it back with just your hand. <laughs> no way, man. Not with the modern, all the yeah. modern crap on a bow. If it was a stick bow, which that's a whole other story. And one you know, of these days I am going to go back to the stick bow. And put... Well, I, I have not. I, I don't, I'm not good enough with a compound to do recurve yet, but give me a couple of years and maybe I'll try it out. But that's, a, that's a whole different, that's a whole <laughs> different animal. I was never good enough for a comp or for a recurve either. That's why I ended up with yeah. a long, long bow, but yeah, a little more forgiving. Yeah. And so, well, and you know, my, my thing is, you know, doing a recurve is that that's eventually what I want to work into, but I, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not good enough even with a compound right now to even think about <laughs> anything else. So, so I'll just, your, I'll just. Keep. What's your hunting season look like? Obviously, you're at the point in your company where you don't have time to go away and go sheep hunting. Maybe when you don't have yep. to run it anymore, you'll be mm-hmm. that guy that you'll be sheep hunting all the time. But um, you know, what do you, what do you, what's it look like now? What's your plan? You got anything in the works? So. Well, yeah. So, I mean, this year I've, I've got a uh, non-resident tag I applied for in Colorado. I'm going to go um, on an elk hunt plus a black bear hunt with my brother-in-law. And so I'm still trying to figure that out because I, I'm thinking that I might have to hire some more people this fall because if I escape for a week or two, especially during hunting season, it's definitely hard. I mean, last year I had a couple deer tags and I was able to sneak out here and there, um, but it's it's not something where I can go you know, go around hunting for week, two, three weeks at a time. Um, I just not that capability right now. And, you know, of course I live in an area where, um, I can drive 20 minutes and I'm in prime Turkey area, I'm prime whitetail country. So, you know, those are the two things that, you know, I can easily hunt where I don't have to go away for days at a time. Um, but something like, you know, I'm still building preference points for elk. I mean, here in South Dakota, it takes a good 15 years to even draw an elk tag. Um, yeah, yeah, it takes a long, long time to draw an elk tag. So, I mean, that's why most people, even in South Dakota, they go to Wyoming, Montana, they go to Colorado, because, you know, you look at the amount of even tags that they give out in Colorado. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands. And here, I mean, I think they give out, you know, depending on the area, you know, there's Custer State Park tag and, you know, there's a couple Black Hills units and, and Prairie units. But I mean, they're only giving out a handful of tags, so um, it's hard to do that type of hunting here um, unless you, uh, you know, like I said, 15, 20 years. And of course, we've got bighorn sheep here. We got mountain goats. I just build preference points for all those. I'm building preference points for sheep in Montana, up by Kalispell, where my uncle lives. And so, yeah, I I think as the company grows and I can hire more people, um, I can go out and do more of that stuff to where. I can go to Colorado for a week or two um, with my brother-in-law and, and do that type of stuff. But it's definitely, it's definitely harder now um, that I have all these responsibilities. You know, I go turkey hunting early in the morning and then once mid morning hits and, and the birds are kind of slowing down and not moving around too much and not gobbling, you know, I'm going back to my shop and shipping orders, you know? So 
I, uh, I, I still fit it in, but I don't do as much hunting as obviously I would like to do, you know? So, yeah. Well, but, at least you got to go turkey hunting this year. My county yeah. state shut me down. Yeah. Closed <laughs> all the public lands. So. Which is crazy. Talk about social distancing. What better way to social distance than going out, you know, by yourself hunting. And it, you know, I, uh, said that repeatedly i posted on social media i commented on different posts throughout contacted the governor's office of course there was no response there um reached out to the department of natural resources and uh first first in an email and then i called them and then they sent me another email when i called them so obviously they didn't want to talk to me either but (laughs) (laughs) I, i even got a response that was uh pretty interesting i said well if you're not going to uh let me hunt what what are the odds of refund and they said the state of illinois has never been in the business of refund and we don't (laughs) have the means to process oh of course and i was like wow wow okay yeah lucky for us in south dakota we have a governor that didn't (laughs) shut anything down she was like nah this is america we're not shutting you down like so, I mean, we've, you know, we've been lucky as far as like, um, you know, like I said, I've even been fishing a couple of times out there and it's nice. So, you, you know, there's no restrictions out there, but I always kind of make a joke because in South Dakota, we naturally social distance because we just don't have a huge population. You know, <laughs> we're not, we're not asked to bud on, you know, when going to the grocery store and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, well, it's kind of nice for us. You know, I mean, where I'm at, it's not like that either, but it, it it's crazy that you put out an executive order that all of a sudden you need to wear face masks in public when mm-hmm. you weren't wearing them. And now all of a sudden you are, and if you're a carry holder or something, you could possibly be considered a felon because you're concealing your identity. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy times. And I just, I don't get the, there's no common sense to it. Half the people wear them halfway around their face. You try and go into a store, they yell at you that to put a mask on. It's, yeah. it's insane. I, I don't even oh, get yeah. it. Right now, it's still crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, and then you have to look at the politicians. I mean, where are those politicians coming from? You know, they're, <laughs> they're coming from, you know, Chicago yeah. and stuff like that. You know, yeah. they're not they're not thinking about small town Illinois. They're thinking about, you know, that's how they implement everything for the state. So they don't really care about town of 2000 where, you know, you can go out turkey hunting and there's no issues whatsoever. They're just, you know, they're they're thinking about the big cities and everything like that and for me, it does not make, I mean, in South Dakota, we've had, you know, a few cases in Sioux Falls, a few around here in the Black Hills, but nothing, nothing world ending or anything like that. And I mean, I've said it kind of from the first, first point is COVID real. Yeah. Um, is more becoming like a political stunt to try to get Donald (laughs) Trump out of office. I think that's, I think that's more accurate than, than even the, the dangers of COVID and, I get it. I mean, people die. That's, that's a part. I mean, people die from all kinds of things all the time and not to say that's not dangerous or people that have love, you know, lost loved ones. I mean, I hundred percent, you know, lost my grandma to pneumonia and, you know, um, you, you sit there and, you know, they're serious, but at the same time, um, how, how far are we going to go before we, you know, the economy shut down and, small businesses are going to go out of, you know, I mean, luckily for us, we've done well during this whole, you know, our best month we've ever done has been in April, but look at some of these small businesses where there's going to be a lot of people that don't recover from this, that have to close the doors and file bankruptcy. And, um, you know, that's just, that's, that's a hard thing. And, and to justify it after, you know, how many months this COVID has been going on, um, you look at the numbers and the statistics, and I just don't think it's, you know, I don't think the scare is there to justify all this stuff that's happening. No, I, I, and I'm starting to see a lot more of these signs here at Illinois that are hashtag open Illinois, and I don't know yeah. where I'm going to get one, but I think I need to find one because. <laughs> Put one in your yard. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I've seen them in people's yards driving by, and I'm like, you know, that's a pretty good sign. It's just, I it, I hate to see people hurting like that, and, and the bottom line is is we're all adults we can make our own decision if you don't feel safe stay home you know wash your face wash your hands if if you want to cover it cover it but get people back to work get them yep. out there and that's like i mean this weekend coming up i 
hopefully I get to take my kids fishing, but it's a limit of uh, two people per, per boat. Yeah. Well, I got yeah. three kids and two of them are fishing age. You can't take one without the other one. Are they going to arrest me for that? That's what I want. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's crazy because you guys live in the same household. Yes, I know. Like if you got four people that live in the same household on one boat, what does it matter? You guys live amongst each other anyways. What, 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 do you, you know, what are you going to spread, spread Corona to yourself? You know, you, never in the house while you're eating dinner, while you're sharing the same bathroom, they're worried about you being out there in the, you know, on a boat together. I know. I mean, that's just where you have to look at the common sense, but I mean, aspect and you're like, what are you talking about? I mean, it's the same way, like in the grocery store, there's one grocery store way out, um, out towards like I-90 here in, in Rapid to where they wouldn't allow me and my girlfriend to be together in the grocery store. <laughs> and we kind of look at each other like we live together. Like we're not going to spread anything to each other. And like as long as you're social distancing and keeping away from those groups, does it really matter? Because here's the thing. If, if we live together, it doesn't matter if my girlfriend goes in or me. We're both probably going to be carriers of this if we have it and we live together. So what does it matter? I mean, think about it. What is, what does it matter? Uh, it just yeah, it's I don't know. It's also I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> some of it just does not make any sense to me. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I think um, you know, hopefully this all goes away pretty soon. It sounds like, um, especially in our town, we kind of shut restaurants and stuff down for a little bit. But everything's starting to open back up, and I think, um, I think, I think things are going to get back to normal hopefully soon here. So, um, eventually, politicians got to use common sense and just be like, "Hey, listen, this is this like this is kind of overblow. Like, we kind of have to be, <laughs> you know, go back to normal because we can't we can't live like this forever." And you know, so well. Some people yeah. think, you know, if you put too many Marines on an island, it's going to tip over. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I tell you what, it's funny me being a stupid crane eating Marine, how, how much more common sense, or I just like, holy crap. I am not the most intelligent person in the world. I am not even close, but some of the stuff I see, yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy, but, um, such as life, you know, there's only so much we have a you know, control over. And unfortunately, you know, we can sit here and say, um, you know, even being a former cop, some of these stories I hear about people getting arrested in parks and shit, it's just goes against everything that I believe in upholding the constitution as a law enforcement officer. It goes against, um, I would probably quit my job before I enforce any type of laws like that. But, um, you know, that's where common sense and discretion kind of has to come in. But to arrest people, I mean, you know, for, for practicing your freedoms, I mean, I think it's it's definitely the government overstepping, um, to say the least. And like like you said, you know, have the option. If, if you don't want to get sick or you have something that's going to leave you vulnerable, don't leave your house. That's fine. You can get groceries delivered to your house and dropped off or whatever you want to do. You have that choice as an American. But, um, you know, when you start infringing on everybody else's rights and trying to take control of them. I think um, that's a little bit more dangerous than any disease will ever be, in my opinion. Absolutely. You know, because eventually people are going to get sick of it. Well, you that's know. just it. How much will people take? But that's like a, that's a yeah. whole other discussion. We could yeah, that's a whole, a yeah, we could do a 10 hour podcast on that. <laughs> so anyway, that's, let's get back to yeah. gear. We got a little sidetrack. Let's talk yeah. about the warranty that you guys offer with, mm -hmm. with each product. So yeah, we have an unconditional lifetime warranty, and um, like we see on our website and what we kind of advertise, it's a little bit different than a lot of people will say lifetime warranty. A lot of companies will say lifetime warranty, but there will be a lot of stipulations on there. You know, if you you know it doesn't cover normal wear and tear, which doesn't make any sense to me if you have a lifetime warranty, but they'll put it on there. You know, lifetime warranty, but we don't cover normal wear and tear. Well, if I'm using a piece of gear for hunting. It's going to have some wear and tear, you know what I mean, especially after a couple of years. But um, we cover everything and anything. So wear and tear, we cover if you even, you know, you screw up. Let's say you take a knife to something or something and you break a piece of webbing, we cover it. Um, we're going to take that on. We're going to pay for the shipping back to us. We're going to fix it up. If we can't fix it up, we'll replace it, send it back to you. And, um, 
you know, we don't we don't have to fix a lot of stuff because of you know how we manufacture things and the the materials we're using and and stuff like that. But um, we kind of do it a little bit extra. So we we kind of you know just tell people, hey, listen, we're going to cover it no matter what. And uh, you know, you could drop it into a fire or something like that. Please don't be an a hole and do something like that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. If, if if you know, I had one guy. It was funny just a couple weeks ago. He's an Air Force guy. He wanted to test my harness. He literally strapped himself up from like this contraption in the garage. He held up his body. He's like 250 pounds. <laughs> held himself up from like the harness. Well, one of the, you know, one of the uh, pieces of webbing that was connected to the back piece ripped out. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I kind of, I, I, I'm like, well, yeah. you know, it's not designed to like hold the 260 pounds. It's not what it was meant for. But you know what? We were true to our word. He sent it back to us. We replaced it, sent it back to him, and that was it. You know, so um, we do stay true to that. But, of course, we don't have a lot of guys that have, you know, any issues with it, you know, in the first place. But um, we kind of go that that extra mile that a lot of companies don't. We don't put stipulations on or anything like that. So kind of what separates us from a lot, you know, other companies in the industry. So, so I just want to say uh, – other, the other day I saw something that was pretty cool. Um, a lot of people, if they think you are an a-hole or something, I just want to mm-hmm. the kind of guy oh, yeah. you really are. Because a guy lost his job due to all this COVID crap. Mm-hmm. Told you, sent you a nice little message saying, hey, man, I'm going to have to return it. And you were cool enough. You said, you know what, man? Here's your money back. Keep the product. That's yeah. that's that's uh, something you don't see too often this day and age. So yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, I post stuff like that and, and it's not to toot our own horn. I think it's more so of to be a example for other companies to follow, especially, you know, we have a lot of small businesses that follow us. They see how we market, they see how we're developing products, a lot of hunting companies. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to, you know, set an example for other companies to be, you know, cause that isn't something that you see very often. Um, I've been in very, very crappy times in my life where I've needed money and I've tried to do stuff like that, return stuff. And I've gotten, you know, go screw yourself. You know, I've got, I've, I've gotten that, you know? Um, so I tried to, to kind of emulate a, a better image of companies, especially in a world of, where customer service is really going downhill, um, especially when we see social media, you know, you don't have that face-to-face anymore. Um, a lot of it is you have to call a phone, you get connected to some dude overseas, or you have to wait for t- 20 minutes, finally get pissed off, and you just hang up, I'll just buy a new one. You know, we're kind of really in a world where customer service does not exist anymore. And so um, for me, I try to make those posts, like I said, not to toot our own horn, it's really to... Um, kind of inspire other people to kind of take on and do those type of things because I think a lot of businesses lose that, you know, because they think about profits. And, uh, you know, we've never been a company because, you know, mainly I, you know, I don't come from money. You know, I started this business with a $10,000 loan from a bank. That's all I could get, you know. So I didn't, I, I racked up personal credit cards to to buy material and all this different stuff. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't handed a hundred thousand dollars to to start this company like some other larger companies you see that have millions put into them, millions. And I, you know, we don't have to name names, but I think we can all we can all <laughs> think, we all kind of know, you know. So we don't have a bunch of like you know multi million dollar investors, you know, investing in us, you know, or anything like that. So um, we've really started it and and built it on our brand and and our customer service and. Um, you know, I tell guys that are trying to start small companies all the time, I'm like, this is how you need to do it. You know, remember who's paying your bills. Remember your customers because um, they're going to tell their buddies, you know what I mean, how well they were treated. Um, but if you don't treat them well, they're going to tell everybody that will listen to them. And, and you know, th- that can not be good for, for business, you know. But um, for me, we, we kind of do that type of stuff. We do veteran giveaways and we'll um, – do a lot of that stuff because, you know, my dad used to get pissed off at me because he's like, we can't be doing that. We can't afford it. And, you know, we can't, we can't. Um, but, uh, it's something where, like I've said, you know, if I can pay, if I can pay myself enough to pay my bills, I don't need to get rich. Even if this company's doing a million a year, but we're having to pay for all this material and gear and, and, 
um, and uh, employees and stuff like that. You know, I pay myself fifteen hundred a month in this company. You know, so everything that you see when we even post our stats of like what we're doing per month and stuff like that, it's all going back into the business to build more products, to build new products, um, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, it's one of those things to where, you know, I'd rather do the right thing and, and help somebody out than um, worry about, you know, the, the extra dollar bills in my pocket because I just, you know, I wasn't raised that way. And um it's it's easy to lose focus of that once you start being successful too, you know. So um, we have to remind ourselves all the time that we all need help every once in a while. And um, you know, I've been very fortunate to to grow the business into what it's now and making the money that it makes now. And um, you know, so I try to give that back as much as possible because people have really put their trust in me for for being a fairly new company. No, I like it. I like what you're doing. Um probably a pretty good time to kind of bring it all together here um yeah it's it, it's great to see that you know a small business start to be pretty successful that you're making a quality product you're treating people good even though there might be some funny stuff uh, <laughs> on your advertisements and whatnot but yeah um, you know actually it's it's kind of funny because uh a, a certain person that i know was the one who pointed you guys out i've kind of seen some of your stuff through like a hashtag or something but you don't even mm-hmm. really hashtag your stuff that much so it wasn't like it no. popped up all the time and i kind of seen it and i'm like oh yeah it's you know pretty cool whatever but it never really stood out and then somebody told me so i started following you guys and then it's like holy crap <laughs> this dude's insane it's awesome i can relate to it you know i i get it i get it and i like yeah. it so it's pretty cool yeah. and I'm, I'm i'm glad that uh i've seen your product i'm glad that i own it i'm glad that uh I've donated to others for it because it's uh, truly a good thing you guys are doing and uh, I appreciate it. So why don't you tell people where they can find you, where they can find your product? Yeah. So you can find us. Our website's teenkhunting.com. We do have Instagram and Facebook. You can just type our name into uh, the search engines on uh, social media. Give us a follow. Um, If you get easily offended, um, (laughs) you may not follow us for very long. (laughs) Um, but you know, we have good intentions. So yeah, hop on there. We're always developing new products. Um, we've got a lot of product out of stock right now, but, um, we're, we're making gear as we speak and uh, trying to, trying to get guys outfitted for the fall. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. So is there going to be a video of you testing out the new gators? Yes. You're going to be wearing I, Ranger panties, drinking a beer. Well, not a beer, know, a cup of coffee now yeah, or something. Yeah, but... I don't drink beer anymore. Well, yeah. It's a good thing. yeah. Yeah. We, we won't. Yeah. Maybe maybe like an NA or something. I don't know. Or maybe an empty Bud Light bottle with like some water or something. I am going to, yeah, you're going to see some testing going on, uh, just like you've seen with everything else. Um, a lot of people don't know I'm a private pilot. I'm actually in the works of uh, throwing a gear bag out of an airplane at about 1,500 feet. So that is coming. Uh, so uh, we're, yeah, you'll, you'll definitely see some good tests and videos. Uh, we always like doing, uh, doing a lot of that stuff. We need to still uh, pull an ATV out of a ditch with, a, with, with our belt. It's actually possible you can do that. So, yeah, we're going to have uh, lots of cool content videos of us just wrecking the hell out of gear trying to wreck it anyway so, sometimes it doesn't work out the truck thing with the bow sling I, I was not sure how that was gonna go because my dad was like eh, i mean it's pretty tough but i mean do you think and i'm like i don't know let's give it a shot i'm like if it does fail you know we'll still post it up but we'll say well it wasn't really meant for this you know but um so yeah it's 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 always a good time but yeah anyways <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. No problem. Story. I'm glad to share it. And uh, like he said, you can find him on his website, social media. And I appreciate it. You have a good night, man. All right. You too, man. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com.
And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.